You are listening to the North Peace Roundtable podcast, your weekly podcast about theology and the Christian life. Totally forgot to look up what episode this is. Episode maybe the 79. Is. is it 79? I believe so. Because I, I don't know. I think the last one was 78. But anyways, uh, that's not super important. Thanks for tuning in uh, to the North Peace Roundtable podcast, uh, like the intro said. My name is Andrew. Yeah, the intro didn't say that. Uh, the, I, the, the intro didn't say your name is Andrew. You said, like the intro said, my name is Andrew. No, I said, we, <laughs> <laughs> I said this is the North Peace Roundtable podcast, like the intro said. Oh. My okay. name is Andrew. <laughs> now I'm picking up what you're putting down. <laughs> no, this is episode 80. I just looked it up. So anyways, my name's Andrew, and here with me as always is Corland. Hello, hello. And thanks for tuning in. We're a very professional podcast. Uh, we don't make any mistakes. None ever. whatsoever. <laughs> and usually there. with us is Cameron, but he is a little traveler recently. I think he's still in Texas, or he just got back from Texas. So he's not with us. In person. In yeah. person. So... Rest in peace, Cameron. <laughs> I mean, like, rest. Have some yeah, rest. have some rest. May and it be, be peaceful. at peace while you <laughs> do it. So this is episode 80, and we have two questions that we want to tackle today, and then whatever else comes up, I guess. If we have time. If we have time. So the first uh, question, uh, I don't know who sent this in, but you sent it to me, uh, is what is the difference between preaching and teaching? Yeah, so this, this question... Uh, the context in which I hear it the most is probably in the discussion of like women's uh, the Bible. Sorry, not women's the Bible's uh, instruction towards churches on women's teaching or preaching type thing. Sure, um, that's probably the conversation that I hear it in the most. So the the way the discussion would go is like uh, for me personally, I I see that scripture lays it out pretty clearly that uh, the preaching and the leading of the church when it comes to the spiritual direction and the heralding of the gospel is mm. is supposed to be men. Um, but I would say that the Bible shows tons and tons of evidence towards the fact that women can teach within the church, can teach members of the church, uh, and we're doing ministry right alongside guys like Paul and uh so I, I think that there is still very much so a place for women doing ministry. I think that, like I said, though, the conversation comes, though, when you talk about preaching versus teaching because mm -hmm. they're similar, but they're not the same thing. But every time that somebody has asked me to try and explain it, I'll have like an explanation in my head. And I'm like, yes, this makes sense. This is going to be good. <laughs> this will like clarify it. And then I say it and then the person will be like, yeah, but this, and so I don't know. I was just super curious what your take on it was and see if we could have a discussion. Cause I think that, I think that there is important distinction between preaching specifically and teaching. It's not that you're not teaching while you're preaching or any of those details. Mm -hmm. I think it's that the, uh, maybe the purpose of the role is slightly different or not the role purpose of the, uh, delivery method sure be preaching or teaching is slightly different yep. i don't know what's your take yeah because I, I get what you mean that people can be like well uh when andrew preaches i still learn things so he's teaching me so isn't it the same thing like i've heard that before yeah. or like when you know i've heard the and i've even thought of this too like preaching is more of a one-way 
conversation and mm. teaching is maybe more Open back and forth, discussion. but people are like, no, when I went to college, my professor just taught and no one interrupted him. He just taught the lesson. Also so fair. teaching is still one way. I'm like, okay, I get that. So it's interesting when you look biblically, um, uh, Tim Keller talks about, oh, there's three levels of teaching, which I actually, I r- agree with to a certain extent. Like, so Colossians three, uh, verse 16, uh, Paul is writing to the whole church in like the church of Colossians, Colossae. I was going to say Colossae, Colossae, but he says in verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. So he says to everybody, okay, let God's word dwell in you richly and teach and admonish one another. So there's an element of teaching that is very, very informal. And uh, I hate talking about levels because it's like, oh, I'm a level three. That's not what Tim Keller means. But he says if you would classify, okay, level one teaching would be um, what everybody does as a follower of Jesus, you are instructed you be able to teach yep. people, yep. admonish one another because the word of God is dwelling in you. So this would be like an informal one-on-one, you know, yeah. Hey, I was reading in my Bible in John 12 and I just wanted to like share this with you. You're teaching someone, yep. right? Every follower of Jesus should be able to do that. Um, and then he says, okay, if we, if we call that level one teaching, Level three would be preaching, which is, okay, the church is gathered together and the preacher is going to stand up and proclaim the word of God. Um, And it's the idea of preaching is like you mentioned the word heralding. It's like I am actually uh, authoritatively heralding the word of God to you, right? And Mm. it carries a level of weight and authority that the informal, like, hey, I was reading this in my Bible, and isn't that cool? And Mm. there's a a level of authority that comes with preaching. And then he talks about level two preaching, or level two teaching, which he's like is kind of in the middle. And he talks about, it's an interesting passage in 1 Peter chapter 4, which my... Sword drill. I found it. (laughs) First Peter four, um, verses 10 and 11. Paul says, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. So it's interesting that Paul says that speaking is a spiritual gift. And so then you go, well, what does that entail? And according to Tim Keller, uh, he says there's this kind of middle ministry, which would include um, counseling, evangelism, teaching small groups. So it's still, it's more formal than just like, hey, you and me sitting down and here's what I learned in the Bible. Hmm. But it's not as formal as I'm going to stand up in front of the church and I'm going to like authoritatively declare the word of God. He's like, there Hmm. seems to be this like middle, middle one where it's, it's a spiritual gift of speaking. So I'm actually using my gift to counsel people, to lead a small group, to teach a Bible study but it doesn't carry the same kind of weight as like I'm standing up and preaching to the church. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. I think the imagery that comes to mind is um, especially around the, the word or terminology of like a messenger heralding 
a message for a king, yeah. right? So if you think of, of what that would have looked like in ancient times, messenger would have come and like stood up in front of the people mm-hmm. and like, hear ye, hear ye. And like, this is what the king has said. This is what we are to do. Um, and then the people would go in amongst themselves, like probably if somebody didn't quite hear it right or didn't understand, they would be like, yeah, uh, he said to do this. That means you should probably do this. The the difference there is you have a messenger yep. um, telling a large portion of people with authority what to do from the greatest authority, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas the people amongst themselves, if they're talking to each other, it's not the same as that person who's standing up front. Mm-hmm. It's not that there isn't maybe similar uh, happenings when you're doing that in the sure. sense of like, even if you repeat the same words. But I yeah, I think... I, I think that is the best way that I can look at it is that preaching is more like you are a messenger standing in yeah. front of a people uh, heralding what God has has said through his word. Yeah, and I, I think um, there's this kind of weightiness to it. Yeah, I mean, even James talks about like those who teach are going to be uh, judged stricter. I don't think James means like anyone who ever teaches someone I think he's specifically talking about, okay, those who are, have been instructed to, you're going to preach the word of God. You're going to instruct the church when they're gathered together on Sunday or whatever, and they're going to hear yeah. a sermon. Um, I think pastors and preachers are, are judged stricter because there's this like, a th- there's this authority and weight that comes with it. Right. Yeah. More so than not, not to say that like, Oh, then lead a Bible study and say whatever you want. That's not what I'm saying. Yeah. But there's something weightier to the preaching of God's word, um, which God seems to, I mean, he judges stricter. Right. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, you see, you see both k- kinds of teaching throughout scripture in the book of acts, you see very more, you know, more formal preaching, when Peter stands up at Pentecost and he, you know, delivers this message, when Paul preaches, yeah. when yeah. Stephen preaches before he's going to be stoned to death, um, even when Paul writes to Timothy and, he's, and he charges him, okay, Timothy's yep. a pastor, preach the word, right? Yeah. He's saying to Timothy, that's your job, preach the word. And then you look and you read throughout Acts and you see other instances where it's very informal. It's like the church is persecuted and they're scattered. Well, as they went, they preached the word. So you go, well, I don't think that every single person in the church when it was persecuted and scattered stood up and like, I'm going to deliver a sermon now. I think it just means that as mm. they went, they were teaching. They people, heralded this is, the this news. Is what, this is what God says. Yeah. So you see both kinds of... Um, teaching or preaching in the Bible. And so I, I, even Tim Keller, he says there's totally overlap. He's like, yeah. So it's kind of, it's not like, uh, what does he call it? Blur. There's like blurring of the lines. Yeah. Cause yeah. When I preach, people learn things and I teach them. Yep. Totally. Yeah. And it's not saying that, Oh, Andrew carries more. He can, the Bible's more authoritative when he does it instead of in a small group. It's like, well, no, no. but yeah. there's just this, it's kind of this weird, weird distinction. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. And I think that's why, you know, as a church and I'm not going to rehash the whole episode, but when we did our women in ministry episode, that's why I have no issue with women teaching yeah. in different settings. Because I think, I think w- when it says the whole church was scattered and everyone went about preaching the word, 
There's no parentheses. Ooh, actually, just the guys did. Yeah. It's like everyone. Yeah. As they went, women and men taught people what it means to follow Jesus. And yet women are instructed, no, you actually shouldn't preach. The elders, the leaders of the church, they are the ones who preach. Yeah. And I know for some people it's like, ah, no, but Paul says women aren't allowed to teach. Yeah, but what kind of teaching are we talking about? Yeah. And that that's a good distinction to make. Yeah, I think we, again, I, I think that we often get caught up in, in um, within the church, we get caught up in a jealousy of other people's callings. Um, we see this even with the spiritual gifts in uh, Corinthians, right? And so I, I think it's quite an interesting thought that Paul, uh, when he's writing the letter and um, he he gives the the headship of the church, like the structure of how that should look, the fact that he does hand it to men, I think, even in their in their Hellenistic worldview, they would be incredibly aware of the book of Genesis and how that structure was for the first marriage and how men mm -hmm. came first and women mm -hmm. came after men. Um, but even Paul himself says, yeah, but now we all come from women. So like there's <laughs> like, it, it's like they understand that structure and yet he kind of brings it closer if that makes sense. So I think that it's important totally. to recognize if, if you're feeling, um, if you're feeling like, Oh man, this is, incredibly sexist that I, a woman couldn't preach like on a, on a Sunday morning. I, I don't think it's a matter of sexism. I think it's a matter of, of what God has designed it to look like. Totally. It's not that you are unable to do those things. It's that it, within the church, within the structure of the church and, and how things operate well with how God has designed the church to operate. That's what we see working best. Yeah. Um, but then you get into instances like overseas where they don't have men that are willing to preach and women are running the church. Right. And would we point a finger at them and say, well, they're not really Christians or well. they're not really a church. Um, so I think, I yeah. guess the reason I bring that up is to say, I, I personally, I think that there is uh, room for God's grace within that, within totally. a situation, within uh, a moment. Right. Yeah. Um, because it, doesn't make sense if God's word is yeah. being brought to people, whether it's by men or women. I don't think that God would be like, well, because it's women teaching, nobody will hear it. Yeah. So here back to the, like the, the differences between preaching and teaching. It's really fascinating because, uh, my, my, my gift is preaching. Um, I actually don't like teaching small groups and hmm. I'm not, I'm not as good at it. And yeah. people would be like, well, isn't it the same thing? And I'm like, no, not at all. Yeah. Yeah. And you've talked that, you know, you've preached a few times. It's not like you've done a bad job, but it's not your gift. Yeah. And you've said that, like, I don't think I'm gifted in preaching. And yet you're really gifted in teaching smaller groups. And so you go, well, is there a difference? Some people, well, there's no difference between teaching and preaching. Hmm. I'm like, no, there is a big difference. Yeah. Because small group setting, leading, you know, a, a teaching time, I'm just not, not gift, not as gifted in that. Like you just, you do it sometimes because you have to. Yep. But the the preaching aspect of things, um, that's my gift. That's what I love to do. That's what God's gifted me to do. And so you go, there is a difference. And maybe there's like an mm. unexplainable, isn't it the same thing? You're just standing up in front of people and teaching them. I'm like, well, I, clearly not. <laughs> honestly, honestly, you bring, it's a very good point. And I actually hadn't thought about that. Yeah, but for, to, to expand on what you're saying, yeah, if people are unaware, I, what, five or four times or something I've preached something here? Like that, yeah. And 
and I've taught lots now with youth and with other mm -hmm. ministries and I absolutely love teaching and it comes very, very naturally for me, even yep. though it's, it's teaching about the word of God <laughs> and it's, uh, it is in some ways a, a bringing forth of the message of God, right? Like totally. I don't want to use the word heralding cause I don't want to confuse people, but it is, yeah. th there's some crossover, but yeah, I, I can do that quite easily. If I like the, what is the Bible course that we taught here? It took me a while to set it up, but it wasn't like I was sitting there like, Oh, I cannot figure out how this should be done. It was just like, Oh, this is really cool. And I was able to like structure my course or yep. that section of the course. Super easy. No problem. Deliver it with ease. Mm -hmm. As soon as I go to preach, it's writer's block. I have no idea what to say. <laughs> it takes me forever. Um, yeah. And, and yeah, I'm just not gifted in that area the way that you are. Yeah. And so even though there's overlap, I think, the fact that God would gift us in different areas proves that there's a difference yeah. in those areas. And I think too, one of the differences, like when I preaching, the goal of preaching, I would say if I could boil it down, I don't want to just teach and convey information. Um, like the goal, like when I preach, if someone left and said, awesome, now I, I have, I know more things. Yeah. I would be like, I think I failed my, my goal when I preach. And I think the goal of preaching is that we want to people's affections for Jesus to be stirred up that it, it's more than just now I know, mm -hmm. cool, the ancient world of this or that. So a lot of times when I am preparing a sermon, it's like, I mean, you could put so much stuff into it, but then it's like, they don't need to know that. Yeah. Well, what about like, it's so cool that, you know, Jesus did that. And then that mm. means this. It's like, yeah, but they don't need to know that because that I think is another difference between preaching and teaching. It's like, I specifically, I mean, sermons could be two hours long if we wanted to like easily put, put everything in about, and, and people would leave with a lot more knowledge. Yeah. But I would say that's not the point of preaching. The point of preaching is that, our affections for Jesus are stirred up and it produces heart change. And again, you're like, but teaching can do that. Totally agree. Yep. But when I teach, like, so I'm, uh, yesterday I started preparing, we're going to do a theology course in the fall. And as I prepare for a theology course, it's more so like, okay, I want you to know who God is. Yeah. Have knowledge about God. And I'm not sitting writing a theology course thinking, okay, how can I like, the cut goal the and I'm trying to like cut to the heart. It's like, no, that might happen. Yeah. But the goal is different, I think. So that is mm. probably another difference between preaching and teaching is maybe, maybe one of the differences and feel free to comment on it, obviously, but I, I feel like one of the differences is preaching is as if, even though like in our setting today, pretty much, I would say probably close to 80 90% of the people that you're preaching to have heard the gospel before I've it's as though preaching is like a, a bringing forward of the message of God as though the people have never heard it before. And so you want to consistently cut to the heart and have, have, like you said, their emotions and their affections stirred towards God. Whereas I feel like teaching is like when I go into teaching, I go in, um, obviously with the knowledge that there might be some people like we've had some youth that weren't Christians come in, mm -hmm. but I go in more with an approach of these people already know Jesus. What more can I teach them that like 
builds the object of their faith and so that their faith is strengthened instead of being like, no, this is as Christians, what we believe, this is what we do because of that. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think, uh, I don't know if I go in necessarily assuming that no one's heard it before. I get what you're meaning. That's why we preach the gospel week after week. Um, also, I think, uh, it's like this, it's an interesting, I mean, we could talk hours about it. It's very cool. <laughs> so yeah, the church scatters throughout the week and we all either have really great weeks obeying Jesus or we've sinned and we failed and then we come back. Hmm. And like one of my jobs, I think as a pastor, I have like one hour because with you, with the whole church gathered yeah. ish yeah, and I see separate Christians throughout the week, but this mm -hmm. is like, okay, we have the whole church gathered and I, I'm like, okay, I have an hour to then it's like the word of God strengthens us. It convicts us from things from the past week. Oh yes, man. I totally mm -hmm. snapped at my wife or whatever. Right. Yeah. And, and then it convicts us and it, then it's, it's like we're being strengthened for the next week. It's like, it's funny. It's, it's very like, okay, I gotta, we come together again, guys, <laughs> I, yeah. I can just picture Paul. Yeah. Remember what Jesus did for you. Like live like it. Yeah. And it's like, now you go out and it's like, I've done that for eight years, 52 mm. times a year. And, <laughs> and it never ends. Cause like, right. And that's just, I think that's part of, I think I heard one pastor talk about that. It's like, uh, you, we all come, I remind you of Jesus. I tell you not to sin. And then we all go back out again. And it's like the work never ends. Cause yeah. we just, and I think that's why we need the gospel every week and you, we just need to hear it. We need to be reminded of it. And that's part of preaching. That's pretty good job stability, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Once people don't <laughs> sin anymore, then we don't need job, you. <laughs> yeah. Until that point. Yeah. So I think, um, for l those listening, you might be saying like, maybe I have a teaching gift and, and that doesn't necessarily mean that all oh, the, the only way I can use it is if I preach on Sunday mornings. No, there's so many. Yeah. One, all Christians are called to admonish each other. So you should be doing this informal teaching one to another, whether yeah. it's with your spouse, your small, what your friends, whatever your kids. And then if you think like, I think God has actually gifted me to teach. There's so many ways that you can do that. Like, uh, maybe you're giving counsel more formally to Christians who come to you for help. Maybe you're leading a small group. Maybe you're leading a Bible study. Maybe you're working with the youth, working with you. There's so many areas that you can say, yeah. like, I can use my gift of teaching. Yeah. Right. Um, and then maybe some of you are going, yeah, I think, uh, maybe I have a, like a, a more formal preaching gift. Um, come talk to Andrew. Yeah. Cause we've, We've done classes before on how do you preach and we've had guys try it on Sundays and some have said, yeah, I think this is my, uh, like a gifting. And some have said, yeah, that's not my gift. <laughs> it's like, okay, well you tried it. So that's yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah. So hopefully that answers slightly. I know there's a little bit of muddiness to like preaching and teaching. There is overlap, yep. but hopefully that clears some stuff up. Yeah. Now, second question. We have this one was actually brought in. I would say sent in, but it wasn't sent in. Someone actually came into the office and yep. and asked us this question. It's a very good question. So they basically asked, OK, I'm uh, the person said I'm going through first Timothy, first Timothy five twenty three. There's a verse that um, this person was like, 
I don't know why this is specifically here. It doesn't seem to fit. And what does it mean? So 1 Timothy 5.23 says, and it's actually in like a parentheses, which would be interesting to look in the original language. I don't think they had parentheses, but... My translation does not have it in a parentheses. Well, what... what? I got the NLT in front of me this oh, time. the NLT. I know. The, the, the new lit translation. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to think of something <laughs> cool, like the no, no losers. But no. <laughs> Anyways, uh, it says this in 1 Timothy 5.23. No longer drink only water. But use a little wine for the sake of your stomach and your frequent ailments. And then it just goes on. So you, uh, she was asking, like, I don't understand why this is here specifically. And what does it mean? Because, I mean, it, we've talked about this before. People who are like, I'm just going to obey exactly what the Bible says. Well, then you better start drinking wine. Yeah. Because yeah. it says, don't just drink water. Drink, drink wine. wine. And we, if we're going to obey the Bible... But is that actually what it means? So I don't know. Have you done any digging I, in this? I haven't I have actually. A bit. I haven't done a ton of digging into this. Um, it's a verse that people who Christians who drink alcohol will always bring up and be like, "Ah, yeah, see, see, I can see. drink wine." <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, the context is like it's a weird place to put that. Yeah. Um, I think the first thing that comes to mind though uh, is. I think that sometimes we forget, it's really easy to do, sometimes we forget that these New Testament documents are letters and homilies to churches. What? To specific people yeah. in churches sometimes, but to churches. And so, I don't know, I I know my brain is pretty scattered brain, so if I was mm-hmm. writing a letter to someone, I might be on one tangent and be like, oh right, I was going to mention this, quick, throw it in, and then keep going, right? Yeah. As like an, oh, by the way. So it's not impossible that that's something that Paul is doing <laughs> yeah. here. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. it's a very, like, we talk lots about how the Bible is a human and divine book, right? So there's going to be times that we see that the, that muddiness, that crossover, right? Where it's like, oh, that mm-hmm. was a very human thing to do, right? Yeah. Um, so I, that could be part of it. I don't know. You said yeah. you did some research. Where would you start if you were looking at something like this to try and figure out why it was Well, yeah. There? I mean, the whole chapter is... A lot of different instructions for the church. So, so Timothy is a pastor in Ephesus. He's a young guy. There's debate over his age, but I mean, Paul calls Timothy like my son in the faith. Like he was his protege, his uh, apprentice, his apprentice, right? Yes, yeah. good, Ugh. excellent. Feel the hatred. No, not no. hatred. No, wrong apprentice. <laughs> um, so. Timothy is a young pastor. Some people have said maybe in his 30s, maybe even younger. And he's in Ephesus, which was a very influential church. Um, we actually, know, Ephesus, this is a tangent, but Ephesus is the church we know the most about in the New Testament. Because First and Second Timothy were writing, written to a pastor in Ephesus. We have Ephesians. Which was written to the church in Ephesus. In the church in Ephesus. In uh, Revelation, we have a, a letter written to the church in Ephesus. So we know a ton about Ephesus. Um, and so he's giving instructions to this church, right? He talks about older men, older women. He talks about widows, how they're going to take care of widows. And then the, the last half of First Timothy 5 is instructions for elders. Let the elders, verse 17... Hmm who rule well, be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. Amen. Uh, (laughs) The scripture says, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain. The laborer deserves his wages. 
Don't admit a charge against an elder except on the evidence of two or three witnesses. As for those who persist in sin, rebuke them in the presence of all so that the rest may stand in fear. And then in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus and of the elect angels, I charge you to keep these rules without prejudging, doing nothing from partiality. Do not be hasty in the laying on of hands, nor take part in the sins of others. Keep yourself pure. And then he says, no longer drink only water, but use a little wine for the sake of your stomach and your frequent ailments. And then he continues, the sins of some men are conspicuous, going before them to judgment, but the sins of others appear later. So also good works are conspicuous, and even those that are not cannot remain hidden. So Paul's talking about elders, people worthy of honor. He talks about keeping yourself pure, and then he includes this, don't drink just water, but drink, drink wine. So then I was like... Interesting, because just in chapter 3, he says uh, that leaders should not be heavy drinkers. Mm -hmm. But here's where I think Paul's... This is where I think Paul's going. In First Timothy 4, at the beginning, he says, Now the Spirit expressly says that in later times some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared, who forbid marriage, require abstinence from foods, interesting, huh. that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it's received with thanksgiving, for it's made holy by the word of God in prayer. So you go, okay, Paul's saying there's going to be people who come into the church who are teaching deceitful things, who say uh, you're not supposed to be married if you're actually holy. You're not supposed to, you're supposed to, or you are supposed to abstain from food and drink if you're actually holy. Yeah. And the, the, the term for that is um, asceticism, which is the idea of like, um, if you were an ascetic, A-S-C-E-T-I-C, an ascetic, you would say in order to be really holy, you have to like deprive yourself of things. So hmm. you can't eat certain foods. You cannot drink certain things. So like you, permanent fasting. Yep. And you got to suffer. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to hmm. inflict bodily harm on myself to prove that I'm super holy. So think about that. There's people in the church who are like, probably you require abstinence from foods who are probably saying, if you're a real Christian, one, you don't get married, two, you don't eat certain food, three, you don't drink wine, we can assume. Yeah. So then Paul's talking about elders and people who are worthy of double honor. He says in verse 22 to Timothy, keep yourself pure. But I think he's trying to correct also, but Timothy, don't be like those nut jobs. Yeah. So that's why he says, don't just drink water, use a little wine for your ailments. So I think Paul is like stressing purity and stressing living righteous lives, but it's like then he adds this little correction like but don't be like those nut jobs. They're yeah. wrong. Yeah. So you can drink wine yeah. for you your can, stomach. You can use it for your ailments. Yeah. That's okay, but don't abuse it. Totally. So I think that's uh, that's a possibility why Paul I could see why Paul would add that. Because I think if think about that, if that's in the church, if there were people in your church who were like, well, if you're a real Christian, you would, wouldn't do this and that. And then Paul's telling about elders and the responsibility and how you have to be pure. I'm sure they were thinking like, oh, maybe those guys are right. Yeah. Maybe I'm not supposed to drink or eat food or be merry. So then it's like he adds in, no, you can drink wine if it helps your stomach. Yeah. And I think that's that perhaps could be why it's like added in there 
so randomly. Yeah. If you just kind of like go back and, and, and look at what Paul has already told Timothy. Then to, yeah. Cause even, even my, the study Bible that I have here in front of me, uh, for chapter five, verse 23, it specifically says possibly the concern with purity. So in five twenty two. Uh, yeah. was being taken too far with respect to wine. Yeah, uh, I so then, that. so then it ties back to that uh, chapter three, verse three, in in First Timothy here, uh, and then it also says to see Numbers six uh, one to twenty one or food. So like, it, uh, the purity was taken too far, like what you were just yeah. saying. Um, mm-hmm. and then it has a note and just says wine may have been considered medicinal. Yeah. Right. Yep. And so it, that ties in all of the points that you were just talking about, how people would suffer their ailments to I'm so holy. And it's like, well, it's like, man, have some wine. Yeah. It, will, it would help. <laughs> have, have you ever thought of it that God has provided some of these things to help us to, yep. to enjoy, to, to be good. Yep. Right. But it, it brings up a good question of like, uh, and, and I don't know how much we want to dive into it, yeah. but the whole question of like w- with stuff like this, Christians, w- some Christians would land on if you drink wine, it's a sin. If you have alcohol, it's a sin. Mm-hmm. And then Paul writes something like this and it's like, well, it's not. So I think it's uh, C.S. Lewis has a amazing book. It's dated in the sense of language, um, but it's a really good book uh, called. Oh, my goodness. Of course, I'd go blank on the title as soon as I go to say what it is. It's the one that I've been listening to on audio Christianity. Yeah. Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis. Um, And he has some amazing quotes in there about what sin is. And when you think if you think about life and God's creation in the garden and it being really good, um, Mm. sin is never anything new or created to be new it's a twisting of something that's already there. Yeah, totally. Uh, So even if you look at the serpent's lie in the garden, Mm -hmm. he didn't come up with some fancy lie of like, Hey, if you stand on your head uh, for 30 seconds and then, you know, jump around and do X, Y, Z, you'll, you know, know the difference between good and evil. Mm -hmm. No, he went right to the tree and, and slipped in the temptation and, and the lie. Yeah. Um, And sin is that over and over and over again. So if we, like as a really, really extreme example, if you look at the pedophile and think, well, sex is bad because of that. It's like, well, Hmm. no, sex is actually a wonderful gift from God. Mm -hmm. But that is a horrendous way that humanity has twisted it. Right. So if you look at wine and you say, man, it's amazing that God has made it so that different elements within our, our physical world can ferment and turn into something that can help us with our ailments. Cool. But notice if you abuse it, there's consequences, there's fallout, right? And we see that throughout scripture is that there's lots of cases from Jesus making wine out of water to, to, uh, I'm pretty sure it's in Proverbs about drinking wine to be merry, right? Yeah. It makes your heart glad. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Um, So we see benefits of these things, but if you look at all of scripture, you also see the fallout if they're misused. Totally. Um, so like Noah after the ark and he plants a vineyard and he makes wine and gets drunk and there's horrible things things that happen. happen. Right. And so, so when you think of even then, um, interactions with, different human beings, right? Yep. The sin that we commit against each other. Generally speaking, they're not generally speaking. It's always going to be a twisting of something that God had made for good that mm-hmm. we in our hearts have twisted for, for our own self-righteousness Absolutely. and our own glory. Right. And that's, that's where the sin comes in is that yeah. it's our own, 
uh, glory put above God's yeah. or, or an attempt to, I should say, because yeah. it doesn't actually work. Yeah, that was very well said. Totally. Um, and, and I think so it, as a Christian reading verse 23, I don't think it means that. Oh, great. Now I got to drink wine. Yeah. See, it, it's, but <laughs> yeah. it's interesting. Like, don't, because we've both had conversations with people yep. that say we must obey everything the Bible says. Yeah. And I've had conversations with people that are like, I'm just, and it came up with head coverings. It came up with all sorts of stuff. I'm just yeah. going to obey the Bible. Well, according to that, then first Timothy five twenty three. even if you hate wine, even if there's alcoholism in your family, you must drink wine. The Bible commands it. Right. Yeah. So I think one, it, it proves our point that we try and make that like, you know, you don't send money to Jerusalem. You don't do things that the Bible commands. But the the principle of this, right? The principle and what are what are things that God's trying to teach us? So exactly what you just said. Drinking wine is not a sin. Paul encourages Timothy, right? You can actually be pure. Keep yourself pure, verse 22. But you can also drink wine, right? So, um, but I think also there comes into it a matter of personal conscience. Yep. And some people I know who love Jesus dearly, they're like, I just will not touch alcohol. And I'm like, yeah. I totally respect that. Yeah, My even, mom is one of them. She grew up, her dad was an alcoholic. He died because of that. And growing up in our house, we just did not ever have any kind of alcohol in our house. And I'm like, I didn't say like, well, mom, First Timothy 5, 23. It was yeah. just like, okay, I get it. Yeah. You have experienced tragedy because of alcohol. And okay, that makes yeah. sense. Now, my wife and I, we have alcohol, I was going to say all the time. All the time. But that makes it sound bad. But it's no issue for us. Yeah. Like, right? We yep. drink wine with, with dinners. Um, I'll have beer with dinner, whatever, right? Yep. And it's never been an issue because we do not get drunk. Um, because getting drunk is a sin. You're losing control of yourself. Yeah. And we're supposed to have self-control. But it's no issue. But if my mom came to visit, when I'm going to be like, hey, mom, I'm going to go buy a six-pack because it's my house. No, of course not. Yeah. I would respect yep. her view because as a Christian, I don't want to make my mom stumble. I don't. It's anyone. If anyone yep. was going to come over and be like, oh, yeah, by the way, I struggled with alcoholism, I'm not going to go, well, freedom in Christ. I'm going to drink Paul wine. Paul says to yeah. drink wine. It's like, so, no, okay, I can, we can have juice or whatever. Like yeah. it doesn't and, matter. And I, I think there's wisdom around those things too. So like for myself, I chose not to touch alcohol for years. Like all of my friends were already drinking alcohol. Uh, like I, I, yeah. in BC here, it's 19 is the legal drinking age. I was, I was quite a bit older than 19 before I started. Totally. Um, but the reason was, is I knew that I struggled with addiction in other areas and, and it's interesting because even though I, I was wild into addiction in other areas of my life, you for never, some reason, yeah. God gave me that. I, I would say God gave me that wisdom to say that is not a wise thing for you to do. And it, it it's true. I, I think that's true because there was parts of me that knew it's like, man, my addiction with this is bad already. If I mix alcohol it's into this, I will not be able to control myself. And and it's interesting that I drew the line there. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. So that's a whole conversation <laughs> for debate. But it it was a personal decision that it was like I know that this is not going to help me here. Yeah. Um. And then once my addiction started uh, healing and God started healing me in that area, then I started being able to have some alcohol and, and mm -hmm. recognize where limits were and to, to not get drunk. Cause that's horrible. Yeah. So yeah, yeah it, it's, 
it's a really interesting thing. If you've never considered what sin actually is, um, mm. I, I would challenge you to just try and picture a sin that is I brand thought you new. were going to say I would challenge you to just try no. some alcohol. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> to, to try and like, like if you're having trouble picturing oh, what, what we were talking about around sin being just good things that are twisted yeah, for evil. Totally. Try, I challenge you, try and picture a sin that does not come or stem from something good, mm. right? Mm-hmm. That has been twisted by humans or, or is like anything that is pure evil usually comes from something that's good because yeah. you can't create something out of yeah. nothing, which means sin has to come from something. Yeah. Yeah. So I think God has given us, I mean, you, yeah, you read the old Testament and uh, there's wine is mentioned lots and even it's interesting. Uh, the Bible mentions also strong drink, Yeah, which there's debate. What exactly is that? It's not wine. It's something different. Um, but I think he's given us that to enjoy um, it makes your heart merry and glad. And yet there's also like, you know, prohibitions around it. Just yep. like with sex, God gives yep. us sex to enjoy with our spouses, to multiply one, one man, one woman. And, and yet then God puts parameters around it, not to stop our enjoyment, but to actually protect us. And, and he's God, he knows what's best for us. Yeah. Right. So the same would be with wine and drink and and food even. We we could yep. t- we could spend a whole episode about gluttony because I know people who are like, well, drinking alcohol is wrong and yet I'm going to overeat. Well, that's also a sin. Yeah. Gluttony is a sin as well, and yeah. you should set parameters around the food that you eat. So anyways, yeah. You know, my body's a temple. Two Big Macs, please. It's <laughs> like, well, is it a temple? Yeah. <laughs> so anyways, I think um uh where was I going with this? Yeah, I think, you know, wine and drink is given to us to enjoy and um people have even asked me i we we're going off on rabbit trails but whatever people have even asked me well why do you drink because if you can't give a good reason why well then you just shouldn't and i'm yeah. like well one i like the taste yeah um and two it makes my heart glad exactly what the bible says yeah like so for instance there's there's one uh this is getting personal personal but it's fine there's one meal that my wife and i like to do every once in a while one and every once in a while one cuz it's more expensive and yep. two it's uh it's really good but i know in the long run it's not good to eat <laughs> like cheese and bread and <laughs> yep so we'll put the kids to bed early and then we'll get like uh, some cam- like nice soft cheese camembert or like mm. brie and cook it in the oven. And then yeah. you like put it on a nice baguette and then you get um, charcuterie, which is like all these nice meats and blah, 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 blah. And then you buy a really nice bottle of wine and people mm. would go like, why do you do that? Because it makes me glad. Enjoying it. And yeah. I'm enjoying it. And I get to have a quiet house and my kids are asleep and I'm spending time with your wife. Yeah. And wine makes our hearts happy. And I don't think there's anything. We don't get drunk. We have never once gotten drunk while doing that, but we just enjoy it. And I think God smiles on that because he has given us good things to enjoy in life. Yeah. And yet someone can say like, I can do that with orange juice. Great. God, God bless you. I'm not saying you have to, but orange th- juice does make my heart. <laughs> I love orange juice. I'm not even kidding. You might think that I'm joking, but I love orange juice. It's so good. Have you tried chocolate milk? It is so good. <laughs> and I, I think this even, um, cause I hear this talked about often. Um, 
it's surprisingly often, at least in my perception of the world, it's surprisingly often around um, Christians and wondering about like even stuff like medication. Um, I, there's a whole discussion. I don't want to like break open that can and try and cover the whole thing, but I would, I would argue that as long as the medication is not like specifically harming you, and, and I don't mean in the case of like something like radiation because radiation harms you to harm the cancer and so on and so forth. Yeah. Um, I, I think that like, I think that there is exception, not exceptional. I think that there is acceptable use of medication, right? Within the parameters that mm-hmm. God has given people wisdom to be able to figure out. Uh, and I think that that is an okay thing to do. I don't think yep. that you are sinning if you take medication for something. I'll give you an example. I just had surgery just a little bit ago and they gave me antibiotics. Now antibiotics in the long term, if you take way too much of them or take them too often, your body ends up knowing how to fight an- antibiotics and they don't do anything for you. Yeah, right. Right. Kind of dangerous. Not a good thing because then when you get infections, they are deadly. Right. Yeah. But when used appropriately, they can help prevent infection or fight an infection. Right. Mm -hmm. So there's there's that balance there, I think, where Mm -hmm. God has given people insight sometimes or allowed people insight, regardless of your view on that, to to know some of these things. And Mm -hmm. so I I find it fascinating when Christians because there are some sects of Christians that would believe that no, if you get an infection, you suffer it out because that's right. like, you can't fix that. It's up to God, whether or not you live or die. Yeah. Um, and I would argue that if God wants you dead, whether you take antibiotics or not, you're going to die. <laughs> <laughs> you don't, you can't change that. So if I was on antibiotics and then I ate yogurt with a lot of probiotics, would they just cancel each other out? I don't know. I don't know the science on that. I usually, if I'm taking antibiotics, this is not medical advice. I'm going to clarify. Welcome to. This is this is not Corland MD. This is this is just purely off North of what Peace I MD, do. The medical podcast for all your. But medical yeah, I, I mean, I usually take some probiotics or or eat food with probiotics in it while I'm going because you I, heard it here first, folks. <laughs> I don't. I'll put it this way. This is, maybe this will clarify it. It's not like I'm trying to counteract it per se. I. Just don't change my diet around oh, if man. I'm on those things. We're Unless the medication. A, we're going to have to put, put a, a disclaimer. A medical disclaimer in the front of all of our. Yeah, we're not liable if you try any of the things that we talk about. Yeah, <laughs> yeah not medical advice. Yes. That's just a personal thing. So, First Timothy 5, that's where we got from. Wow. <laughs> Hopefully, Anyways, if you ask that question, that yes. helps answer your question. Well, yeah, I know it's a bit of a rabbit trail, but I think it's important because. Uh, First Timothy five does bring up the issue of wine and okay. So, so are we supposed to, or are we not supposed to, is it bad? Is it good? So hopefully that helps uh, clarify some of that or, or answer why Paul puts that where he does. Yeah. I think that was the whole point of the question. I think so. <laughs> that was anyways, a good tangent though. Yeah, that was a good tangent. Um, this has been episode 80. Hopefully it's been interesting and helpful. Um, as always, we'd really do uh, appreciate questions that come in. Um, cause most like most likely if you're wrestling with a question, that means that someone else is too. Yep. And there are no like, Oh, come on. You don't know the answer to that. And there's no question too big or too small. Yeah, either. totally. And that we want this podcast to be very practical and relatable to just doing life as Christians. So please don't hesitate to send in a question, whether that's, you know, texting one of us or emailing, you know, 
uh, either either one of us, and we would love to answer and just wrestle through questions that you have. So, and if you've sent in a question before and we happen to have missed it, and yes. you're like, "Hey, I asked them that like half a year ago. Why haven't they covered it? Let us know." Yeah, resend it. Yes, yeah. <laughs> that could have happened. Very, yeah, yeah, not impossible. Yeah. So, thanks for tuning in. Hopefully, this has been enjoyable and helpful, and we will talk to you next week.